welcome to the 94 Feet Report. I am your host, as always, Eric Spiropoulos, and you can follow me on Twitter at Eric Spiros. This is the 94 Feet Report basketball podcast, now a part of the 16 Windsor Ring podcast network. Um, I started writing for the site last week, and uh, so now we are you know, moving the podcast to that network. Check out the other great podcasts uh, from the Drive and Dish podcast, Unquestionably Well podcast, just a bunch of great uh, content at 16 Windsor Ring. Before we get into today's episode of the show, I want to mention our sponsors. Uh, we are, always, as always, brought to you by Fan Essentials. Use promo code 94FEET at checkout for 30% off your first subscription and daily, fa- daily fantasy tools while also helping out the show. We are back with of the of the of an NBA court, starting with the baseline, moving into uh, the half court heave segment. Uh, we'll have three random points on some NBA topics and story worst of the week, and then we'll conclude with the and one segment, which is essentially something to look forward into the baseline. So in the baseline today, we will be essentially going over our, our, our running hot cold, hot and cold teams uh, kind of segment where we analyze, uh, you know, three or four uh, hot teams, um, analyze how they're playing, and then ask a question about those hot teams, and then uh, dive into some cold teams, see what's going on with them, what, what's the struggles with, um, and uh, move on from there. Um, so we'll start off with a team, that, the Washington Wizards, who are currently playing the Cleveland Cavaliers. Again, I am recording this. Um, around 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday, February 6th, uh, so in the middle of some of the games. Um, the Washington Wizards heading into today's game against the Cavaliers. They won seven straight. Um, they have won, I think, was it was it 15 straight at home? Uh, something incredible, a home winning streak. Um, and the question really is, is how far can they go in the playoffs? Um, so right now we look at the standings. The Wizards are the third seed. Uh, they're tied with the Raptors. They're only percentage points ahead of the Raptors for the, for the Cavs. For the first seed, though, I'm pretty sure no one assumes that they're going to catch the Cavs there. Absolutely elite. They struggle on the road, only 8-14, and 14, but that has picked up as well as they've continued the net rating. Um, they have the 11th best defense in the league. They have the ninth about being top 10 on both ends of the floor as kind of a, a benchmark for being an elite team in the Ember for being an elite team uh, the way they're playing it's 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 not even a it's not even a, um and it looks like they're just going to continue this play um and that kind of terrible start i remember it happening really um so how far can they go in the playoffs well that depends which means home court advantage i think that they could beat um any of the teams that can beat the pistons because you know the pistons are at the ac right now and they're five games under 500 so and the way the wizards have been playing i would be confident that the wizards would be able to win their first round series comfortably um, but if they get the fourth seed they will run into the cavaliers in which case i believe they will lose in the second round that is a series that while i would not predict a wizards win i would definitely not this so in that kind of series so far this season um the teams certainly have a kind of depends on their seating i could definitely see them I definitely think they're make, they're making the second round if they get the third. Um, again, it depends if the Wizards make a move because again, Yamahimi has only played basically one game this season. They could use another backup big. They could use another backup point guard slash playmaker. If they make a move for one of those pieces, the Wizards become even more of a contender in the Eastern Conference, which isn't which isn't that deep of a conference um, overall. And even the top teams like the Cavs and the Raptors are struggling as well. So again, the Wizards can go to the second round, maybe even the conference finals. I'd like to see them make a move for a bench piece, um, preferably a backup big, especially if they know Yamahimi is not going to be able to return. 
So with a move like that for a bench piece, the Wizards could be a serious contender for the conference finals in the Eastern Conference. Speaking of another team that's extremely hot, the Boston Celtics have won seven straight as well. Um, and we're going to pose those kind of same questions for the Celtics. How far can they go in the playoffs and do they need to make a move? Um, it'd be nice to make, see the Celtics make a move. Again, we all know the story. The Celtics have so many assets. The Brooklyn picks, their own picks, young players, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, great uh, wings on contracts, Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, um, Salvi Filler, Amir Johnson, Tyler Zeller. They've got player like a Jimmy Butler, Paul Millsap, Serge Ibaka would get on the market. Say that the Brooklyn pick will be have the highest chance of the number one pick overall with with uh, the Diz- um, You can couple that with a young player or two or another draft pick. And you get a star player thinking they have a shot to catch the Cavs in the playoffs because right now the Celtics are only two games behind. Obviously pushing for a Carmelo Anthony trade, which will certainly shake up the locker room chemistry in Cleveland. will definitely take some that they could beat, uh, think that they could beat the Cavs in the playoffs. Again, if the Celtics finish, that's a, that's a basically, I think, a seven game series that could swing in either team's favor. Celtics, Wizards, and the Celtics so far this season, they're two and one in this season series. And the Celtics win was when the Raptors players, um, but that makes it tougher for them, I think. I think they'd rather face the Wizards, but then hey, overall. But again, I think if I were making predictions right now, this if the Celtics make a move in a week or two before the trade deadline on February 23rd, and if it's a significant enough move that I think could push the needle, I would definitely say they'll make the conference finals. But as of right now, I would tentatively say they'd make the conference finals without any moves because the way they're playing, if they stay healthy and they get some cohesion finally, and with other teams like the Raptors, Hawks, Cavs slipping up, could see the Celtics finishing as a second seed and have a nice path to the conference finals in the Eastern Conference. Turning to the Western Conference now, the Dallas Mavericks, a team, uh, the, the next two teams we're going to talk about are teams I never thought would make the hot teams list, but here we are. Dallas Mavericks, 7-3 seven, three, seven and three in their last 10, and at this point, um, they stand only two games out of the eighth seed in the Legends of Yogi Ferrell, a great underdog kind of story that's straight from the movies. Um, we'll Tom, but can the Mavericks make the playoffs is the question that we're going to pose. Track record of Rick Carlisle and that uh, Dirk Nowitzki. More Carlisle, but you know, Carlisle for the past couple of years as a sixth through eighth seed. Um, this seems like a team that's just going to rebound. Um, again, they're missing players. They they had so many injuries. Dirk's had so many injuries. Um, we know J.J. Barrera's missed the majority of the season. Andrew Bogut's missed the majority of the season. Deron Williams has missed, I think, more than 10 games. We'll see if Yogi Ferrell can continue this play. Seth Curry has emerged. They're just getting con- contributions from unlikely players. Um, and we know Carlisle's a great coach who gets his players to play above their talent level and really want to play for him. So that factors into my thinking that... Um, and then you consider the fact that the Blazers are, are just lost to the Mavericks and are just still a disaster defensively. And the Nuggets, can we, can we rely on the Nuggets, who are currently in the AC by one game? Can we rely on the Nuggets, an inexperienced team not used to a playoff chase down the stretch of the season? Can we rely on them to stay in the AC? I think it's more likely that the Mavericks, with all their experience and their great coach in Carlisle, would pass the Nuggets independently if the Blazers can. We don't know. They could be sellers at the deadline, trade Bogut, trade Williams, only get draft picks in return. That kind of hurts their heat who have somehow, I never thought I'd say this this season, the Miami Heat have won 10 straight games. They will, they are playing tonight. They're about to tip off against the Timberwolves. And we'll talk about the Heat um, in our half-court Heat prediction in a little bit of a fun segment there. But the next question, yeah, the question I'm going to pose for the Heat is the same one for the Mavericks. Can they make the playoffs? I mean, this talent doesn't make you think they're going to make the playoffs, but here they are. They sit two games out like the Mavericks. Um... Again, they've won 10 straight. They're using um, 
really what's happened is that they're using an elite defense. They're, they're sixth in the league defensively. That's really impressive. And then you look at their offense being 26th in the league, and they're like the Mem- like the poor man's Memphis Grizzlies, I guess you'd say. Um, Eric Spolstra doing a great job. I mean, we'll talk about them in more depth in the three-point segment, so I don't want to uh, spend too much time on the Heat right now. But listen, I think it's less likely they make the playoffs than the Mavericks. Um, but this has thrown a huge wrench in their kind of season plans and taking tanking plans and plans for the future this winning streak. The final team, the final hot team I want to talk about in today's edition of the base time, so it could be a loss. But regardless, the Pacers have won six straight coming into tonight. And the funny question, oh, the United Pacers, they're not that good. How, what do you mean? How high of a seed? Well, they're only fifth seed. Um, they're seven and three in their last 10 uh, offense um, and the 10th best defense. So they're, I think they're going to stay in that sixth seed. At best, I see them potentially passing the Hawks for the year, maybe even Dwight Howard. If the Hawks make trades to sell their key pieces, I could see the Pacers passing them like three and a half games above the Bulls for seven, and the Bulls you cannot rely on. And the A seed in the, in the East is um, that sell key pieces. Moving to cold teams, just want to talk about three to ten. Um, and the question for them is what seed will they end up with? Because, you know, behind the Wizards for the third seed, um, they're three and seven in the last time, as I just mentioned. Again, they're just dragging them down. 17th in the league in defense. That's still good for them. Of course, Dermot DeRozan has missed multiple, a couple of games in the past week. I'm concerned about Kyle Lowry. We him down in the playoffs. We've seen him struggle in the playoffs the past season or two. Um, if I was going to end the Celtics, so for that matter, I really think I'd put the Raptors at four. Um, maybe the Celtics make a move. Maybe the Raptors get desperate and do trade for Paul Millsap or Serge Ibaka. That changes a lot of trade deadlines to figure out what seeds they'll end up with and stuff like that. Maybe around the All-Star break. All teams this week on today's edition of the Baseline are coming from the Eastern Conference. The Charlotte 23-28 and 28, um, in the ninth seed. Again, 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games. Um, they have the 12th best defense. Um, and they, the numbers you would expect from a mediocre team. But... It's hard to pinpoint what's wrong with this team. Uh, Ray Hibbert and Spencer Hawes for Miles Plumley. I was not a fan of that contract. I don't think Plumley does anything. And not that I mean, not losing Hibbert and Hawes are not a big deal. But when you you know usually want to trade those Plumley, who's not that good and on a bad contract, I was not a fan of that trade. I don't think it does anything for them. Mostly tied for the Pistons for the A seed. But I'm more of a believer in the Pistons than I am in the Hornets. Right? Crazy hot. The Knicks? No, <laughs> not a believer in the Knicks at all. Uh, and. I'm really disappointed in the Hornets, who were a team I really believed in to be a top six seed in these two conferences. We're going to talk about today the the team I just mentioned, the Milwaukee Bucks. Actually, the Bucks, um, as of right now, I'm not confident in saying. It. I think, um, of course, we got Bucks have the explosive young talent of Giannis and Nkunpo. The Greek. in terms of the trade from their perspective, I like the trade for the Bucks because they get rid of Plumlee's contract, which is in our three points segment. Um, and they get Hibbert and Haas. The whole point was to get cap flexibility by trading away Plumlee's terrible contract and getting the expiring contracts of Hibbert and Haas. Um, for that matter, I like the trade for the Bucks, but I don't think it does anything for their playoff push. And again, same with the Hornets. I would be more confident in picking the Pistons for the playoffs right now than I would for the Bucks. But again, the Bucks have time to grow. It's all about their young talent, getting experience, and uh, obviously just putting on a show for the fans. And it has been quite the show. Not translating to as many wins as the Bucks would probably like, but... That's how it is winning, trying to win with young talent in the NBA. So those are some hot and cold teams like we usually do on the baseline. Um, and next we'll move into our quasi-main segment, the Full Court Press. Get ready, because it's time for the Full Court Press. 
Okay, so in today's edition of the Full Court Press, we're going to do kind of a thing we do every month, our awards race updates. Now, for the reason being that the front runners for my for my awards races as of now have not changed, we're not going to spend that much time with them, but we're still going to dive into them a little bit and uh, a couple of reasons why. Rookie of the Year, it's still Joel Embiid for me. I know he hasn't played a lot. He's, at, he's missed a lot of games over the past two weeks, but when he's on the floor, he's just absolutely incredible. You look at his numbers, 20.2 points per game, 7.8 rebounds per game, 2.5 blocks per game, and only 25.4 minutes per game. In only 25 minutes, four points per game, minutes per game, excuse me. He has a 24.4 player efficiency rating, which is elite. And then you translate his numbers to per 36 minutes. You get 28.7 points per game, 11.1 rebounds per game, and 3.5 blocks per game. The guy's shooting threes on one end, blocking the Sixers are winning, especially when he's on the floor. Um, I believe they're the number one defense in the league when Joe... Listen, he hasn't played a lot, and that kills him. That killed his all-star chances. And Or how do they perform? Embiid is spectacular when he's on the floor. Hopefully, he can stay healthy and move spectacular when they're translated to full starter-level minutes. Um, but again, we're not going to spend It might change by the next time we do this, but I still have the same frontliner. So, cold recently, but he's still such a crucial and integral part of the Rockets' offense. Sake and for Rocket and the Rockets' sake and Rockets' fans' sakes. Um, thankfully, he's staying per game, shooting 38.5% uh, from three-point land. Again, on a winning team, he's going to get some national recognition being in the three-point contest All-Star Weekend. Just as Holmes on a very bad Lakers team putting up numbers, he has a shot. Guys like Zach Randall, narrative, um, being that on a winning team and putting up good numbers. Um, and front runner for me at this point, Eric Gordon. Um, moving on to most improved player of the year, we just talked about his team innings, but Giannis is essentially still an NBA cheat code. I mean, the guy is putting up 23 points, steals per game, and two blocks per game. His advanced numbers are possibly even five player efficiency rating and a 60.4 true shooting percentage. All those, all those training in the standings does not, the standings of the team do not ever really affect most improved player. He only fills that bill, and he's certainly getting a lot of attention with his jaw-dropping play on social media. If they give it to anyone else, it really would be just a crime. Zach Levine was a candidate back in right now for just the incredible way he's shooting the ball and his big performance. Um, and G-Code, still my front runner for most improved player of the year. Moving on, Rockets are on a 57 win pace as of right now. And absolutely no one expected this. I think there's 47. They're on a 57 win pace. And the thing about Mike D'Antoni that maybe a lot of like Montrez Harrell and Sam Decker, they, uh, something that... Mike D'Antoni was criticized for not doing it. The B. Harrell played 30 games last year, um, but he's giving a lot of freedom to those young players, letting them, you know, when he has to. Mike D'Antoni has made adjustments since his last head coaching job. Um, hard in partnership to work. They both kind of revitalized their reputations at the same time. He has the team, you know, the team really seems like they enjoy playing for not only D'Antoni, but themselves. You know, we've heard all about D'Antoni's, you know, being a player's coach, but he also... At this, a great locker room feel for the Rockets, revitalized his reputation alongside James Harden, and has D'Antoni still my front runner for Coach of the Year. I will tell you this: Scott Brooks has certainly emerged as a top for Greg Popovich, and depending on where the Warriors finish, potentially even Steve Kerr and Brad's candidates for a competition for D'Antoni than the last time we did this because the Rockets have slipped up off their sixth of the year. Defensive Player of the Year, it's going to be Rudy Gobert for me at this point in the league. Um, they're only point two points uh, per, per 100 possession kill. Derek Favors, Alec Burks, Rodney Hood. They've just suffered so many injuries. Gobert has, uh, I thought Gobert was a huge all-star snub. I would have put him in over DeAndre Jordan, but it is what it is. 
blocks per game with 2.5. Uh, lead, leading the league in defensive rating with my 4.4 defensive box plus minus, which is right up there, I think, in the top three of the league. His defensive big man, which usually wins the award. Um, I'm not sure we have enough recognition awards voting, but if I was voting, I'd give it a Rudy Gobert for defensive player of the year at this moment. MVP. Probably the most controversial MVP race I've remembered, and he ended up winning it unanimously. This year, you've got candidates left and right. James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Curry's re-emerging himself with his great play over the past week. But for me, it's still James Harden. Listen, we all, own, we all know the numbers by now. 29 points per game, 11.4 assists per game, 8.2 rebounds per game. Elite numbers. He leads the league in offensive win shares with 7.9 and overall win shares with 10.4. And again, we talk about this Rockets on pace uh, for 57 wins, which no one expected. And that kind of parameter that the MVP has to come from a top two seed in each conference, um, or at least a 51 team. Well, the Rockets are certainly on pace for that. They're closer to being on pace for 60 wins than they are for 50 wins. Um, and just the whole narrative, I think, fits. Of course, Westbrook has a better narrative, in my opinion, the triple doubles and the loss of Kevin Durant, but still leading the team to the playoffs, which I'm not sure why everyone is surprised about because a lot of people, A, picked the Thunder above the Rockets in the standings before the season started, and B, just picked the Thunder to make the playoffs regardless. Um, but Harden has his own narrative going as an improved of Eric Gordon, Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson, uh, you know, playmaking to get them open shot. Uh, Mike D'Antoni's reputation and career alongside his own um, teams in the standings. If you look at the standings today, the Rockets are six. The Thunder are the seventh seed. The Rockets are the third seed. Let's say the Rockets finish at the third seed, but the Thunder get to the fifth seed and to Westbrook. If the difference stays six games or even expands to even more than seven, Harden, because the numbers are very similar. And in fact, when you factor in efficiency um, by fans, casual fans, casual media, um, and I think triple levels are kind of as, if not better, than Westbrook's. But again, this narrative will have to be interesting to watch because Kawhi Leonard could say right now, um, though it's kind of a pick em there. You've always got LeBron, but with the Cavs' recent you don't know which Golden State teammate could factor into the top three. But right now, the top two candidates for now, I have James Harden for MVP. That could change, but that's why we do these awards race updates every month. So there you go. Those are my awards race updates for uh, today's edition of the 94 Feet Report, just to recap, Rookie of the Year, Joel Embiid. Sixth Man of the Year, Eric Gordon. Most Improved Player of the Year, Greek Greek Freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Coach of the Year, Mike D'Antoni. Defensive Player of the Year, Rudy G. And MVP, James Harden. That will conclude today's edition of the Full Court Press, and we will now move into our fun little prediction segment, the Half Court Heave. <laughs> So in today's edition of the Half Court Heave, we're going to make a little fun prediction. Uh, I know I've enjoyed the Heat winning streak, and I hope most of you have enjoyed this mostly one of the most improbable winning streaks I've ever seen, really. Uh, as, so as we know, the Heat coming into tonight's game against the Timberwolves have won 10 straight games. Um, and the prediction I'm going to make is that the Heat winning streak will continue to 15 games. That is right. 15 games, I'm predicting. Let's look at the next five games for the Heat. They're playing at Minnesota tonight. Then they play at Milwaukee, a team we've already t- talked about as a, a you know a sliding, struggling team. They play at Brooklyn. We know that's just a disaster in Brooklyn right there. At Philadelphia, who knows if MB is going to play. If MB doesn't play, the Sixers are basically a D-League team. And then versus Orlando at home. Uh, Orlando, another team that's, that's struggling so much that the, the Heat have actually passed them comfortably in the standings. For those 
reasons that those five games I think that the Heat if they're just playing this well and they just continue this level of play over those next five games I see five lo- I see five wins right there which would push their winning streak to 15 games and depending on how what three weeks ago before they started this winning streak they had like the second or third worst record in the league get a top three picks take some more swings in free agency two, two or three weeks later here we are um, I'm predicting they're gonna get their winning streak to 15 games and slide into the playoff picture here um and the question is, should the fans start thinking playoffs? I I mean, I think if I was a Heat fan looking at their next five games and how the performances of the teams above them have been doing recently, I mean, above the Heat in the standings, you've got the Knicks 4-6 and six in the last 10, the Bucks are 2-8 and eight in the last 10, and the Hornets have lost seven straight games. That would make me feel pretty good if I'm a Heat fan with this kind of winning streak and this kind of schedule of thinking playoffs. Not sure it helps them. Actually, it probably hurts the Heat in, in the long term because they don't get a great draft pick. But this could make them more enticing. Dragic and Whiteside are playing well. You slot in and see. Hurts in the draft. You know, but we'll have to see. I think it's just kind of a thing you should have to enjoy. Prediction for the half-court heave segment this week on the 94 Feet Report is that the Heat winning streak will consegment the three points. And now, here are the three points. So in today's edition of Three Points, um, again, if you haven't listened to our shows before, the three-point segment, we're now at the three-point line of an NBA court. We basically make three random points about NBA topics, stories, etc. Um, so the first one is going to make is kind of more of a question. is What is the true value of a first-round pick? Of course, with trade season upon us, we're going to hear so much about teams trading picks for players, um, whether that be picks two or three years in the future or picks that are going to happen in the 2017 NBA draft. And the question is, what are the true, what is the true value of a first round pick? You know, I mean, it's kind of interesting to think about because all these quasi contenders, um, uh, might be one trade away, um, to being a serious contender. And is it worth it for those teams to make that trade, uh, for another piece? Contract status example is that the Wizards traded their first round pick last year, uh, in last year's NBA draft for, he's on a good contract for the next two seasons. I think it like, five or six million a year um which is jabaka who guys who are expiring contracts who are going to probably desire money in the offseason and you know three years on a reasonable contract which made it less of a risk to trade there's the jazz etc who have picks to trade and then really the question is should they and player in the situation do do washington and toronto believe that the Cavs are going to slip up enough where they could actually and jazz think that they have a chance to compete for a conference final spot i don't think anyone's thinking they're going to be even beating the spurs in the second round if they do, they should make a trade. It depends on the player. It depends on the situation. Even the first round, you've got hit or miss. I mean, we've yes, you get the studs. You get you can get some. You can also get some busts anywhere in the draft. The first, early first, mid first lottery, etc. Some rotational pieces. Um, you know, sometimes you find diamonds in the rough, but oftentimes you miss. And you know, the contract situations of some of the the top trade targets. Will they value their first round pick enough? to not trade it or will they say you know another piece in why player and we're going to willing to give up a first round pick etc stuff like that but really the first point i guess i was trying to make is more of a question you know what round picks a lot more than other people i think i value first round picks more than the average person i will basically say first round picks are nothing just trade them away for rotational pieces so the question for the first round picks of those quasi contenders over the next two weeks to see if they make any trades and what drafty points is that the magic and more specifically, Rob Hennigan, their GM, have to have admitted a mistake in the offseason that they gave him that contract. They admitted they admitted the mistake. They traded him away from a contender. 
and they should just go for an overhaul. I mean, they had a terrible offseason. Their free agency process giving out contracts to Biombo, Jeff Green, trading for a box 20 and 33. They are in the 13th seed in the East. They're only seed, but they're just, they're not making the playoffs, that's for sure. They're three and seven in the last 10. They have such a firing one year deal. It's still $15 million a year, which I don't know why they gave them that money. And really, what's going to happen is that they're probably going to have to trade Ibaka, especially if they think he's not going to resign, which means you gave up Victor Oladipo and the 11th round, 11th, excuse me, not, there's no 11 rounds, the 11th draft pick in last year's draft which turned out to be Sabonis, for basically three quarters of a season of Ibaka by the time you trade him by the trade deadline. That's it's not going to look well on you. It doesn't look good for your fan base, etc. Mario Hazonia has been a major bust so far. Maybe he can turn it around, but as of right now in his second season, he looks even worse than his first season, and that first season was not good at all. Um, and even, even with excluding Hazonia, the draft, the Magic drafting, Hennigan's drafting has been mediocre at best the past couple of seasons. Um, they traded away Oladipo. Um, Alfred Payton is not really doing that great. Aaron Gordon's out of position because of their crowded front court. He hasn't looked that good this season. 13th in the East, I just mentioned. It's time for Hennigan to go, in my opinion. Uh, if I was a Magic fan, I would not a bad draft. Um, and it's time to go for another full, complete rebuild. Get rid of the players. See which ones really should stick, which ones you can trade away. Make some trades, make some moves. Go for failure. And the third point, I hinted at it before. We're talking their magic again. So for on tomorrow on uh, February seventh, I will have a, an article coming out for sixteen wins a ring, diving into the mirror at Eric Spiros. Um, but listen, the Mavs started three and fifteen. They're now talked about in our first segment of today's show. What happened really is that the team got healthy, their offense, and hasn't really killed their defense just yet. Um, and they're getting big contributions from very signing, in my opinion. And then of course Yogi Ferrell, the undrafted underdog story that's AJ Barrera still out Darren Darren Williams has been out the past couple of weeks which is allowed fail to trust him enough to figure it out um and can they make the playoffs we kind of asked this question before honestly right now I think I would predict that they would just because of Carlisle and Nowitzki's track record excuse me um I would I would make the prediction that the Mavericks will be will have more experience than the Nuggets and pass them and then the Blazers have defensive problems and maybe even some locker room problems really um and the, the Mavs will be able to pass them Moving to the Heat, they've won 10 straight going into tonight's game against the Timberwolves, which they are currently winning at the end of the first quarter, uh, having put up 40 points. Um, and they're also two games back out of the AC, as we talked about. I mean, listen, yes, they have Goran Dragic and Hassan Whiteside, but the Heat are actually, the Heat are playing Luke Babbitt, Ray Magruder, Okara White, significant minutes in their rotation. I'm talking 20 plus minutes per game. I mean, what percentage of the, United States population knows those players. 0.01, and they're playing significant minutes on a team that's won 10 straight, possibly even 11 straight, maybe even 15 straight if my half-court heave prediction ends up coming true. As of two weeks ago, it's really funny because it looked clear that both these teams were destined for benefiting them more to continue losing because they would have been able to just tank and then take more swings in free agents and a lot of money. Now they're winning games. They both might sneak into the A seed. That worsens their draft pick. Remains to be seen at this point, really. Um... But I think, as we talked about before, it's one of those things for Dirk Nowitzki, who probably has one or two more seasons left in him. The Heat, on the other hand, they're not that. It's just one of those things. Just enjoy the ride while it lasts. Um, but really, the Bolstra are working their magic again. And with that, we'll move on to our next segment. Now, it's time for something foul. <laughs> 
So if you missed our previous shows, Something Foul is essentially our worst of the week. So a, a story, a player, a front office executive, a, fa- a personnel, etc., who has done something, who has just been having a bad week, basically. And uh, today's edition of Something Foul is NBA Twitter. And this was brought to my attention by my colleague at 16 Wins, Adam Joseph, who's our editor. And you should be definitely following him on Twitter, especially if you're, especially if you're a Russell Westbrook slash Oklahoma City Thunder fan. Um, this was actually brought to my attention by Adam Joseph, who had criticized NBA Twitter on Twitter. Um, and really what the problem with NBA Twitter is that Twitter, excuse me, is that their NBA Twitter is not able to appreciate greatness. Um, and we've talked about this previously on the show. I'm pretty sure it has been our worst of the, you can't praise two players, two teams at a time. Really, it's kind of this whole thing where you have to choose a sitter. Any NBA night, you'll probably find an example of this is the MVP race. All the candidates and their great seasons. Listen, we have so many great MVP candidates this season. So many players are having really great seasons and are having a lot of success. But every night on Twitter, you'll see Westbrook fans quit as, just bash Harden. Harden fans will bash Westbrook. Kawhi fans will interject quietly and slowly like Kawhi Leonard does in real life. LeBron James fans will just gloat he's the greatest, blah, blah, blah. There's just never an appreciation of, of all the players and all the great seasons that are being you know given to us by these players. There's always just kind of bashing, choose one or the other, which side do you want, blah, blah, blah. And of course, you know, I, I have to admit, I have gotten sucked into this occasionally. I try not to. Occasionally I have, you know, Obviously, I believe what Harden is the MVP right now, and I have said said as much on Twitter. Maybe one or two times I have, you know, kind of taken some shade at Westbrook's performances. But overall, I try to stay, you know, kind of impartial, kind of give it, just giving analysis and kind of my ideas. Is an MVP candidate uh, having a better season than the other? That's just how I try and do it. Stuff like that. Let's strive to appreciate the greatness instead of choosing sides and having to bash one or the other. Storyline, a narrative with, with a player A or player B. Let's just appreciate analogy. But NBA Twitter seems to not be able to appreciate greatness. And for that reason, and the reason that NBA Twitter kind of promotes bashing of other players instead of appreciating the greatness. NBA Twitter is our something foul of the week on today's edition of the 94 Feet Report. And we will just about get to our final segment, the and one. So today's edition of the N1, we actually have two N1s, which I guess is kind of cheating. But uh, if you missed our previous episodes, the N1 is um, essentially something to look forward to over the next week or so uh, in the NBA. Today we have two, but that's just how it is. The first one is the Yogi Ferrell story slash experience. We already talked about it before. It's a really great underdog story. Um, if you missed it, he earned a two-year contract with the Mavericks after his 32-point performance against Portland. He obviously will get opportunities in Dallas. They probably believe in him. They definitely believe in him to give him a contract after just basically four games. Um, but especially with Darren Williams out, he's out uh, tonight and he probably will be out another two games or so. That means more opportunities for Yogi Ferrell. Maybe even when Williams comes back, Carlisle will stick with the hot hand in Yogi Ferrell. We never know. But the real question is how long will it take for teams um, and opposing defenses for that matter to figure him out? And the other qualm, again, I write about Farrell in a little bit more in depth for 16 Wins a Ring in an article that's coming out tomorrow. Um, but the interesting thing about Farrell is that he could make, he could allow the Mavericks to trade starting point guard. And then the other question is, can he push the Mavericks to the playoffs? The two games out of the playoffs and Yogi Farrell is just that great underdog story that just, again, like the Heat win NBA rooting for the underdog. Let's just 
enjoy and watch the Yogi Ferrell one. There's some second thing to look forward to over the next week or so is trade season. So we talked about it, it wasn't that significant, but there has been rumblings of a really uh, deal that's really close to Hapler. The thing that makes trade season so interesting this time of year, this season specifically, is that there are contenders, plenty of contenders that are looking to buy one one or two more pieces to push them over the edge. Likely that we get all the, you know, all those rumors come to fruition. We don't know if we're going to even get a star player. You know, who knows? Brooke Lopez, stuff like that. You never know. That's the kind of exciting thing. And I'm, it's happened. I love seeing trade analysis and stuff like that. And we'll do that on the show um, and in something to look forward to. And of course, as all this, you know, unfolds, up into on the coming episodes of the 94 Feet Report Basketball Podcast. And with today's episode of the 94 Feet Report Basketball Podcast for Monday, February 6th, if you're going to listen to this on February 7th, I want to remind you to check out our sponsors, uh, Fan Essentials. Use promo code 94 Feet at checkout for 30% off and Daily Fantasy Nerd. Again, follow me on Twitter at Eric Spirals. You get all of my work for uh, Hoops Habit for 16 wins a ring and of course updates on the podcast check out 16 wins a ring both for our articles including my own articles and our podcast network which is great and always growing we've got a really great team there check out my work for hoops habit and uh of course follow me on twitter at eric spiros i hope you guys have a great week of nba basketball we should be back with another episode of free talk friday on the show um obviously this friday Uh, but, but until then have a great week enjoy your nba basketball guys Take care.